If you would, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 22 this morning. And in Matthew chapter 22, we come to a text of Scripture that most of us would flag and say, well, this is about giving, and I don't want to hear it. This is about giving money, putting money in the offering plate, and I'm not interested in hearing it. In fact, some people would say, well, you know, that's all the church ever talks about. It's all the church ever wants. But really, that is a not only misrepresentation of what the church is about, and certainly not the intention of Jesus in this text, but it's really underselling a relationship with God. You know, it would be like saying you know, a marriage is only and then filling in one part of the entire whole of what a marriage should be. Or saying, you know, a church is only about this when there is so much more to be found. But when we think about giving, it's not just financial. That certainly is a part of what God calls us to do. But in this text of Scripture, Jesus points out that really when he talks about giving, he's talking about giving all. Not just financial, not just time, not just energy, not just effort, not just talents and abilities, but giving our whole life back to him. But you know, when you do think about money, and this, the title of the message today is Easy Come, Easy Go, many of us have found that out and found that that just seems to be the way that, that money is. That it comes in easy-ish, uh, sort of, but then it, it goes out quickly. You know, it's sort of like a little girl who many years ago went to an ice cream uh, place, and so she went up to the counter. This is a long time ago, so some of y'all have to put your... Uh, back in the old-fashioned days, hat on, but she went up to the little ice cream counter, and she asked the lady behind the counter, hey, how much does an ice cream sundae cost? And the lady said, 50 cents. The little girl looked down in her hand, and she counted out her coins, and she said, well, how much is just a plain scoop of ice cream? The lady said, 35 cents. So the little girl took the coins out of her hand, put 35 cents on the counter. The lady gave her... The scoop of ice cream, she ate it and enjoyed it. And as she went to leave, the little girl put a couple of other coins down on the, on the counter there. And the lady working behind the counter took the dirty bowl and looked down and lo and behold, there was 15 cents for her tip. The little girl had enough money for the ice cream sundae. She just didn't have enough to leave a tip behind. So she chose to go with less so that she could do more you know a lot of times in our relationship with God that's really the way that it is we think about what can I get from God I I, I want everything that I can have and I want God to give me everything that I think I need and can't live without and sometimes when we learn to do with less we learn that we can actually do a lot more when our schedules aren't quite as full as what we want them to be, suddenly we have more time to do things for the Lord that we never thought possible. Sometimes when we're able to cut our bills in half and all of a sudden that money now is free not to go on better vacations, but maybe to be a blessing to someone else. Perhaps whenever we reevaluate and reprioritize our life, sometimes we find that there are things that we put in our life that really are just not that important. 
then all of a sudden we realize that not only were our priorities out of line, but so was our relationship with God. And friend, time goes by easy, but it goes awfully quick. And before you know it, your life on this earth is but a blink of an eye. And the question is not how much do you have, but how much are you willing to give? How much is God entrusting to you and how much of an opportunity can you make a difference with whatever God is entrusting to you? In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus is facing another encounter in this last week of his earthly life and ministry. And I want you to see this picture of what Jesus dealt with in Matthew 22. And if you're able to, would you stand as we read verses 15 through 22 together? And the message that says, easy come, easy go. It says in verse 15, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinions, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, how thankful we are that you have entrusted us with the responsibility to render to you those things that belong to you. God, may each of us be faithful today to take your word to apply it to our life, to leave this place knowing, God, that when we encountered you through the power of your word and the presence of your spirit, God, that we were willing to render unto you all that belongs to you. Father, we thank you for this time of worship together and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So the first real issue that Jesus deals with in this text, and I want you to notice, is the trap that the Pharisees are trying to set for him. And here's the first word of warning when it comes to giving. Because really that's where Jesus takes this conversation. The Pharisees begin by asking him a malice-filled question. They're trying to get out of something, and they're trying to get Jesus to get into a hot mess. And so the first word of warning that I want to give to you is simply the warning that Jesus gave to the Pharisees, and that is, first of all, we should not get out of giving. We shouldn't find ways to get out of it. We also shouldn't find ways to get something out of it. I'll explain what I mean. But you see, the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, okay, we've got this question for you. And they laid it on thick. 
Now, if you notice in this text of Scripture, the, the Pharisees are really buttering Jesus up. Now, he already knows their intentions, and he knows why they're coming, and he understands that they're only trying to trap him. Isn't that the great thing about Jesus is we can be as slick and we can just be as, as, as smooth-tongued as we can. And these Pharisees, boy, they can come to him. They bring other people, the Herodians, with them. And, and boy, they're just really trying to put Jesus in a corner and really just trying to, to strike at him. But he already knows where they're coming from. And the question is this, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Because here's the issue. The response from Jesus can cut both ways. If Jesus says, no, you shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar. You are Israelites, you are Jewish people, you should have your own government, you should have your own rulers, and you should not pay money to people that are just trying to keep you down and trying to basically rule over you with an unbiblical authority. Well, see, if Jesus said that, then that would stir the Roman government up and then they would have to arrest Jesus and perhaps kill him. Which the Pharisees wouldn't mind at all. And leading toward this week in the life of Jesus, that's kind of where this conversation goes. But if Jesus says, no, you should pay taxes to the Roman government, they are the ones over in authority over in, in, in authority over you, you should pay taxes to them, then that's going to stir up the people. And the Jewish people are going to get mad at Jesus. All these followers, all these thousands of people that are just in love with Jesus, apparently, they're going to turn on him in a hot second. They're going to say, arrest that man. Kind of clever, the Pharisees, isn't it? To just put Jesus right there in that corner, right there in that hot seat to say, all right, smart guy, tell us, should we do this or not? And Either way, they think that he is the one who's going to suffer by his own answer. But Jesus, knowing their intentions, said to them, why are you asking me this question, you hypocrites? He already knew that there was nothing but malice in their heart. You see, here is the question that I give to you. And that is, so many times in the Christian life, why do we try to get out of doing something that God has us focused on? Why is it that we pretend to be faithful? Why is it that we try to get out of responsibilities that God says, no, this is your responsibility? See, that's all the Pharisees are trying to do. They're trying to either find an excuse to get out of something, or they're trying to find a reason to get Jesus out of their country. You see, a lot of times in our walk with the Lord, we treat Jesus a lot like a vending machine. Now, some of you all, probably not all of you, but I would imagine some of you have put in change, maybe a dollar bill, and you play the game where the dollar bill goes in and it comes out and then you straighten it and you put it in and you put it out and then you get another dollar bill and you put it and then you put it in upside down. Y'all played this game before. It's a lot of fun when you're hungry. But you finally get the money in there and you decide which of these 
healthy options that you can't live without. Ooh, cinnamon roll. I'll take that one. A Snickers. Yep, that, that'll hit the spot. It's basically a protein bar with a little extra sugar, right? This is what we tell ourselves. But then you hit the button and the little wheel begins to spin. And you're just like a four-year-old child because it's like a game. You know, here comes your, here comes your toy. Here comes, what, here comes the thing that you can't live without. And then it gets stuck. <laughs> now some of you, not all of you, but I imagine some of you lose your ever-loving mind. And you take that machine after you do a quick scan, make sure nobody's looking, and you kind of gently shake the machine. And that Snickers just plays a game with you. And then you shake it a little harder because you want that sucker. Now your blood sugar is all out of whack, and if you don't get that Snickers, boy, you're going to just punch the machine. And you kick it and you push it, and then it just kind of, and then you do the unthinkable. You put in more money and you buy the Snickers behind the Snickers and then you end up getting two to push the other one in the front, right? How many of us treat God like a vending machine? We put in the amount that we're willing to pay. And when we don't get exactly what we want, we get frustrated, we get mad, we begin to beat and we begin to kick and we begin to scream, and we begin to validate ourselves, and we say, God, I put in my time, I put in my money, I put in my effort, and you didn't give me what I wanted. See, nobody ever goes up to a vending machine and puts money into it because they think the vending machine needs the money. That's not how it works. You put the, machine, you put the money in the machine because you want something from it. But friend, this is not how a relationship with God works. You see, why are you here this morning? I came to worship because. Can I just let you in on a little secret? If the answer to that question has more to do with you than it does with God, then we need to talk about what worship is. If we come to worship because we want to get something out of it, that in itself is not altogether bad because I guarantee you, you're going to get something from a song, from a prayer, from a, a word, from the Bible. You're going to get something out of it. But why do you really come to worship? If you did not come today to really worship God because God is worthy of your praise, of your obedience, of your faithfulness, of your time, of your giving, of the priority of the first day of the week, the first thing that you do to start your week is lift praises to God because He's worthy. If the only reason you came is just to get and not to give back to God the worship that He deserves, then we don't understand worship at all. And Jesus warns the Pharisees, don't just try to get out of giving. Reprioritize your life and don't see this opportunity of faithfulness as something to extract, but rather something to celebrate. There were a couple of Christians that joined some other world-traveling Christians going from different continents and different 
countries and going to different cities to see what God was doing all over the world. They ended up in a spot in Korea. And they looked out into this field. And these other Christians that they were traveling with said, here is a family who is part of our local church community. These Christians that were from America looked out into that field and they see an older man, I say older, in his 60s, plenty young, huh Mark? Older than the guy that he was with, but the the father was out there and he had a, a strap on his back and a plow in his hand. And his son was behind him holding the straps as if he was driving his father who should have been a mule, plowing the field. And these Christians were told that this family was out there plowing, getting ready for the, for the upcoming season. And these two Christians from America, you know, they just instantly said, well, the, this family must be poor that they can't even afford a mule. These local Christians said, well, you don't understand the local church that they're a part of was building a building. And they sold their mule so that they could have something to give to help build the church. And this is the first season where they don't have their mule, and so the father and son are doing this together since they sold their mule. Well, these two American Christians never seen anything like that, so they just stand there blank-faced. Now they said to these local Korean Christians, they said, what an incredible sacrifice that this father and son made. And the local Christians said they didn't see it as a sacrifice at all. In fact, they saw it as a blessing that they had a mule to sell. See, so many times in our Christian life, we look at what it cost us rather than the blessing of being able to give back to God. We look at what we're going to live without, what we're going to have to do without, with the time that it's going to cost us, with the, the money, the energy, the effort, the, the, the time of sacrifice is so great for us. But friend, when you compare it to the great sacrifice of Jesus to ransom your soul and to save you from and eternity in hell, and to give you the gift of eternal life. The Bible says, or the song says, Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin left a crimson stain, but He washed it white as snow. He made the sacrifice. We have the blessing of obediently giving back. That is a responsibility we should not try to get out of. But here's the second thought. If it's not something we should try to get out of, then secondly, what I want you to see is the Bible teaches us as Jesus answers this question, is that we should get into our giving. In fact, the Bible does teach us here that we should get into our giving. How can we get into it? If giving is not something we should get out of, how is it something that we should then get into? I love what Jesus did in verse 19. He says, show me a coin. And the Bible says that he looks at the coin and he says, whose inscription is on this? 
Well, it's Caesar's, of course. It's a Roman currency. It's what we get paid with whenever we do work. And Jesus says, then render to Caesar what is Caesar's. If you were to take out a, a penny, a dime, a quarter, a dollar bill, a $20 bill, and you begin to examine American currency, you would notice there's something familiar about it. There's some kind of stamp. There's some kind of saying. There's some kind of something on that currency that tells you it belongs to the American government. So when you pay taxes, you don't pay taxes with corn or with wheat or you know, taking off your tire out off your car. You, you don't pay taxes with things like that. You give American currency back to the government. That's all Jesus is saying. When I look at this stamp, it is stamped with the Roman currency, and therefore, if taxes are due under the Roman government, then you give back to them what has their inscription on it. But then he answers in the most marvelous way about our responsibility of giving back to God. He says, render to Caesar that which is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. Now, this begs the question, well, what exactly belongs to him? Well, then apply the same logic, if you will. What has God's stamp on it? What has his inscription all over it. Well, just think for a moment about your job. Think about your paycheck. As big as it may be, or as small as it may be. Whatever it is, just think about your paycheck for just a moment. Now, you might think, now that paycheck does not belong to God. It Part of it does belong to the, the government. I have to pay taxes. But the whole rest of it belongs to me. Why? I earned it. I got up on Monday, I went to work, I did what I was supposed to do, I, I, I clocked in, I clocked out, I, I worked, I, I did everything I was supposed to do, I went down my, my checklist and I did everything and this is what they pay me for the work that I do. Obviously that doesn't belong to God because that's something that I earned. Right. Because every breath every heartbeat and every brainwave and every talent and every ability and every day that you wake up to have the opportunity to go to work is a gift from God. In fact, the Bible goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. When God has a little conference with Himself, and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are there, and God, after creating all of this different part of creation, says, now let us make man in our image, after our own likeness. Let's make him, the Randy Revised Version says, with our personality, so that what we like, they will like. The way that we are, they will too also be like that so that we can have a relationship with them. Now we all know Genesis chapter 3, sin comes into the world and wrecks that relationship. 
But the way that God intended it is for you to have His stamp all over yourself. Therefore, when you look into the mirror, you may see a unique creation that is unlike anybody else. (laughs) Some of us more so than others. And there may be things about you that you look in the mirror and you think, I don't like that. But my friend, whenever you look in the mirror, you are seeing a creation of God in which God's image is born in you. And when Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, he was talking about currency. But when he said, give to God what is God's, he's talking about you. And it's not that God is interested only in just a portion of income, a portion of your time, one or two of your talents, occasional service here or there. What God desires to have back is what God has first given to you. And what God desires is to have a relationship with you because He created you that way. And you are in the image of God. In fact, Jesus explains this so very well in Matthew chapter 6. Beginning in verse 24, He says this, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And Why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the fields grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. But that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Friend, if our life is spent Worrying about small things. We miss the blessing of the God-sized things. And if we only give to God a little bit of this and a little bit of that and just a, 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 a touch of this and an occasional part of that, then we miss out on all of the blessings that God has in store for which He has designed you to have. The riches of heaven are available to those who know Jesus Christ personally. Now listen, those glorious riches of heaven may not be found in your bank account, they may not be found in your garage or in your closet, but I'm telling you to know the Lord Jesus personally, to have comfort in the darkest moments, 
To have a friend in Christ that sticks closer to you than a brother. To have a family of faith that surrounds you and loves you and encourages you and prays for you. To have the truthfulness of the Word of God that never changes, that always guides and directs your life. To know that you have a peace that passes all understanding and that you have an eternal home in heaven. Those are the riches that are just laid at the feet of all of those who turn from their sin and turn to Christ and say, I don't want me, I want Jesus. But when we try to live this Christian life with just a little bit of Jesus, then I'm afraid that's all we get. But when we give Jesus everything we have, because Jesus has given us everything that He has, then that relationship is all that it should be. See, some of you have never come to that moment when you've given your life to Christ. Some of you are still holding back and waiting and thinking, maybe one day I can make it all work. Friend, maybe one day is one day too late. Because the only day that matters is today. And the only moment that you have is right now. And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, there is no moment that's coming that's any better for you to turn to Christ than today. Some of you are holding back. Perhaps you want to be part of this church family. We just had a business meeting a, a week or so ago and had the blessing of, uh, of affirming about 10 or 12 new members into our church family. What a blessing to see people even during the, uh, the coronavirus still want to to follow through with baptism, follow through with being a part of what God is doing in our church. I'm unapologetically saying there may be people watching us online. Said, look, I've been faithful to watch and, and I love what God is doing at Columbia Baptist and I want to be part of that. The people that are here that perhaps you have wanted to be part of this church family but just waiting for that next step. Friend, if God has put it on your heart to be part of a church family that will love you and that you can love and be a part of, Give God all that you have and say today is the day. Maybe God has put somebody on your heart to minister to, to make a difference in their life. Now I mentioned Miss Sharon Bell just a moment ago and I said yesterday at her graveside service that she was always so quietly paying extra care and attention to Miss Margaret Clements. Anytime Miss Margaret would show up, she would just have special care and attention to make sure Miss Margaret had everything that she needed. If she needed to go to the bathroom, she got in safely and got into, uh, into the sanctuary. Some of you may never even notice that Miss Sharon did that. But that was just one quiet way that she served one person in our church that made a huge difference. Maybe God's put somebody like that on your heart. That you say, you know, I want to be a servant. Maybe it's a small way, it just in, in, the, in the back, or, or just nobody will ever see it. Friend, God will. And He'll always be glorified when we say yes to what He calls us to do. There was a mom who brought her three children to the movies. To a little matinee movie on Saturday. They get up to the ticket counter. It's three children and her. And the tickets are $2.50 each. She takes out ten $1 bills and slides them under the window gets the four tickets for the movie. The kids all sit down, have a great time. The next day they're in church. 
and the offering plates being passed. And so the mom reaches into her wallet and gives her daughter, who was at the movies the day before, gives her a quarter to put into the offering plate. The offering plate passes. A little girl puts the quarter in the offering plate and smiles. And as the men walk by and receive the offering, the little girl looks at her mom and she said, Mom, church is a whole lot cheaper than the movies, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Because when we limit our relationship with God, and we limit how much of God is involved in our life, but when we give God everything, and we erase all the lines in the sand and say, I'll do this, but I'm not crossing that line. I'll give some, but I'm not going to give much. I'm going to do something, but I'm not going to do all that I could. Friend, whenever we erase all those lines and just let God have everything, what a blessing comes back to not only us, but to His kingdom when we give it all. Give to God what is God's. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, how thankful we are that the Lord Jesus Christ paid it all. Father, not one of us in this place is deserving of the great sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. Father, your grace is everything. And our sin cost the life of Jesus. Father, we know that Jesus willingly went to the cross and paid that price so that we might have eternal life that we might have a relationship with you. And God, that our sins might be paid for. Lord, help us never to shortchange our relationship with Jesus. And God, may we be faithful to give back to you that which belongs to you. And Father, may you take, may you multiply, may you bless and be glorified in everything that we give back to you, not for our benefit, not for our blessing, but for you and for your kingdom. Father, we thank you for this time of worship, and may you be glorified in how we respond to you and to your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.